0: And welcome to episode 129 of Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the Eggman, and or the walrus, Alessandro Bilesi. Say hello, Al.
1: That's such, such a perfect intro, because I am the walrus, <laughs> cuckoo, kachoo.
0: <laughs> perfect. On this week's episode, we continue to catch up on what we're watching. We discuss No One's plan and other patented ramblings, all before diving into our Flick of the Week across the universe. But first, Al, what are we drinking?
1: We are drinking a Revelry Brewing Lefty Lucy IPA. This is 12 fluid ounces. Unfortunately, it's not a pint. It's 7% alcohol by volume. Um, It's from Charleston, South Carolina. Brewed in the left coast tradition, this IPA is dry and bitter. Lefty Lucy is front end loaded with those old school hop varieties that helped define the style. Hang loose with this bitter quenching glass of sunshine.
0: Ooh, I like that quenching glass of sunshine.
1: I mean, it does look rather bright and pale, so it does remind me a little bit of sunshine. It's been nice having some sun the last few days, despite the fact yeah. that my my day starts, you know, in earnest. In the dark. <laughs> I cl- Well, no, thankfully, I've finally been starting in the light and even finishing in the light too now, Wow! Um, as opposed to the first couple of weeks uh, when I started this job in February where uh, I was starting my day. I was clocking in with no sun up and I was clocking out with barely the sun up. Like it was firmly behind the mountains. There was a the little bit of littlest bit of rays of sunshine over the mountains as it was going down. Um I
0: had a I had a year like that in the city and it was miserable.
1: Yeah, it's uh and and those days cuz those first 2 weeks I was spending them the vast majority of it indoors. Now a lot of what I do I do get In and out of a bunch of different locations. So I at least get to like drive around in the sun and stuff like that. Um, (laughs) But now it's nice out. It's nice to be out in it, even if it's only for five minutes at a time. But I get those five minute snippets of it, you know, periodically throughout the day. Um, Which brings us back to this sunny beer. You want to try it? Uh,
0: I do. But before we try it, I have got questions.
1: Like, what does it smell like? Because it doesn't smell how I expected.
0: It smells delicious. It smells uh, good. It but, just wasn't. How but if I expected you it. if you put your nose in the glass and you take a big big ol' sniff, Sour Patch Kids.
1: That's what. <laughs> that's I, what it, I, it, I. I didn't. <laughs> I wouldn't have said Sour Patch Kids, but it's definitely something fruity and not in the sweet way that like typically IPAs are. It does. It smells almost not sickly sweet, but yet yeah, kind of like yeah. candy or like an assortment of fruit salad, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, and then a uh, significant number of active bubbles.
1: Yeah, this is pretty, uh, pretty dramatically carbonated. It's dancing. You want to know dancing. what's dramatically carbonated? The newest Al's Ale.
0: Your next
1: nickname? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> dramatically carbonated. <laughs> uh, the newest Al's Ale, which I had the pleasure to try this weekend for the first time, and I don't know if it's exactly what I wanted. It's not mm-hmm. far off. I think what may have happened is I didn't get a 100% full fermentation that I wanted to. Okay. It's, it's a Belgian like, golden strong ale, which means it's got candy, Belgian candy sugar in it, which means it's got a lot of sugar to ferment. Alcohol content should be up over 9%, and it came in about 8.5%. So I think okay. there may be some unfermented sugar in there. So it tasted uh, okay. a little... It was, and it was funny because I I, my first sip, I was like, eh. Too sweet, and after right. I took another couple of sips i the, i didn't feel that way exactly anymore, so it may have just been that I was kind of fearing that was the case because I knew that it didn't come in exactly where I wanted to. And sure. I know my I know that my I hit my my mark in the brew process. I knew that the, i I extracted the amount of sugar I was looking for. The gravity started where it was but it didn't end where it was supposed to, mm-hmm. so I'm wondering if I need to pitch a second batch of yeast because it didn't finish the fermentation because I did a secondary fermentation with this one. Cause I knew it was going to need that jolt that you'll get. You'll actually, after the first, the first two or three days, really, especially if you start with a, with a yeast starter, the way I do, uh-huh. which starts with a fully activated yeast instead of something that's still waking up when you pitch it. Sure. It means that instead of having two or three days of lag time before fermentation begins in earnest, it starts from day one. So the first three days is really the, the, bulk of fermentation for your average beer or something that's going to come out more like five, 6% alcohol. You might ferment 80% of the sugar in those first three days, even though you gonna let mm, go two weeks. Okay. So this one made it about halfway by the time I flipped it for the secondary fermentation, which was a week. And so I was like, okay, that's not too bad. So if I let it go another week, it could be done or it might be kind of close to done. And maybe I'll just let it go a couple more days. Um, It barely did anything more in the second week, despite having Uh, the boost. And so when you transfer it, it actually starts to re-wake up some of the yeast because it gets moved around a little bit, but Mm -hmm. not too much, which can cause off flavors. Um, So I did that, and it didn't – it barely did. It maybe fermented 5 or 10% more from there, Hmm. which –
0: I was going to ask, like, is there something you can do? Uh, (laughs) But is there – will you eventually – is it possible that you'll just eventually hit a wall?
1: Yeah, so that's what happens, no matter what strain of yeast, and everyone has different levels, different tolerances for this sort of thing. uh, Despite the fact that yeast is creating alcohol as its byproduct, the alcohol actually, paradoxically, kills yeast once it reaches certain thresholds. Right. Um, It's, I guess... It shouldn't be that much of a surprise to us. It's the same as us. If you breathe in a it's two soldiers room, on the
0: battlefield, one with a baseball bat, one with a golf club.
1: <laughs> no, think about yourself in a locked, closed room with no ventilation. You breathe in oxygen not. and you create carbon dioxide <laughs> as sure. a byproduct, and the carbon dioxide eventually will kill you. Right, Just the same with alcohol and yeast. (laughs) So the higher the alcohol content gets, the more the yeast dies at a rate greater than it's reproducing itself. So the only way to make really strong beers, beers in excess of 10%, something like a dogfish had 120-minute IPA. They actually come out and tell you. They pitch their yeast two or three times, I
2: think, Mm.
1: Um, and that's what you have to do because you may – If let's say you're looking for a 10% yield, your first batch might only get you to 8% and then your second batch might only actually get you to 10% because it's so inefficient at that point. And with how much it's the rate, which is dying in the higher alcohol content, the, the, the weaker yeast cells are dying in that high alcohol content. So you might only get another 2%.
0: So what's happening with that, that dead yeast?
1: Uh, it just falls out of solution to the bottom. That's what you try and leave behind. Okay,
0: when, that's what I was wondering.
1: That's what you leave behind. When So part of why I go to a secondary fermentation for a strong beer like that is you leave behind all those dead yeast cells, which – if you let a beer sit oh. on those for too long, it can create <laughs> off flavors. Now, that's not going to sure. happen over the life of a fermentation. It would happen if you, say, aged it in that for It's not like something like a lager. If you aged it in that for months, it would create a right. flavor. If a couple of weeks, is not going to. Um, okay. But by leaving it all behind, it creates a cleaner product. You don't have to worry about it being as cloudy when it comes out. And my beer actually did come out as really as clearly as I could hope for such a pale beer to come out without any sort of filtration. I leave my nice. beers totally unfiltered. Um, but you'll—I mean that's part of what you've left behind bottled conditioned beers when you drink them out of the bottle. That stuff at the bottom, that sediment, a lot of it is expended yeast cells, but that's such a small amount in that, that it's not something you have to worry about affecting the flavor, really.
0: Sure, sure. Cool. Well, that was fascinating. I, 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 did I say that not sarcastically <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I try and bring the beer knowledge when i can I'm, i know i'm not an expert but i do have a decent amount of knowledge from having spent a few years doing this now.
0: oh let's cheers and take a swig of these spree
1: what is that sound oh i like that <laughs> it's very tasty did you hear that sound or is that a me only sound
0: uh I think it might have been me but the noise is canceled out. So it's I think a car just drove by like very slowly but very loudly.
1: Okay, cuz it sounded a little bit like do you remember in signs when they listen to the baby monitor and they hear the sounds <laughs> over it? That's what it sounded like and I got a little freaked out.
0: That's terrifying. Yes. In that case true. I didn't hear anything.
1: <laughs> Yay! <Yikes.
0: laughs> this uh, is delicious. Beer. <laughs> I like this a lot.
1: Yeah, this is tasty. It's I agree with with their description about it being drier than a lot of Mm -hmm. ones. It is tasty, but when I associate super dry IPAs, often that means that I I find at least that the malt hop balance is out of whack. So typically the lack of sweetnesses cause runaway bitterness on the palate, which feels like, the way when you have an overly dry like chardonnay or something like that where right. just, you feel the tannin drying out your tongue mm-hmm. um and this isn't happening with this beer which is nice no
0: it's like it's got it all it's like it is it has just enough bitterness because i like that taste um you feel the dryness but for some reason there's also like sweetness left over on your tongue it's very tasty i really like i like i feel like sipping this beer is an experience this <laughs> is
1: good it's <laughs> It's a very subtle IPA. It's, not, which again, almost sounds paradoxical because the way that the last 15 years of IPA production has gone, it's been a runaway train of either alcohol content, just raw, gross bitterness, or, mm-hmm. and like the rise of any IPA, like that juicy flavor. And this doesn't really have any of those things, nor does it have the ridiculous alcohol content. 7%, no. It's a solid, sessionable amount, though. Um this is probably the most subtle IPA that actually tastes Qualifies. like an IPA and like, <laughs> yeah. is good. Cuz there's sometimes where there's like oh we have an IPA it's really subtle and it's like mm, I don't even know if I would call
0: this a Do beer. you <laughs> do you though?
1: <laughs> this is unincorporated territories.
0: Um th- I'm going two thumbs on this one. It's I'm, I'm a fan.
1: So restrained as to be clearly a choice to not be those things like this isn't a like oh we tried to make an ipa and it didn't come out great because like i did one of those it's like "Eh." (laughs) this is subtle and restrained because it's lacking whereas this feels like it's very calculated
0: yeah no it's 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 very good because i feel like you you taste every little note in there and it's it's really nice um we're going to have to go into a visual description of this can art, though, because we haven't done this in a while, and this one is awesome. So what we got here is the best way I could describe this is the Rugrats and Rocco's Modern Life on a road trip.
1: Yeah, I could see a, both of those things for sure.
0: In a beetle, in a, in a blue beetle, that has Fitting. slipped on a banana
1: peel. <laughs> is that why you chose it?
0: <laughs> it is. <laughs> and, and is going off-road uh, into no left-turn territory. Yeah,
1: they're pointing left.
0: And it also looks like it's a—it's uh, a cliff. It it kind of looks like Aruba. I don't know if you've ever been to Aruba. Have you? I have not. But you uh, you are its like crazy, beautiful deserts and beaches. And uh, one side of it is super rough water where the surfers practice, and that's exactly what this looks like. Okay, it's pretty sweet. That kind of reminds but, uh, me
1: of parts of Hawaii when I went to Maui a couple years ago, where. Mm. There was this like beautiful tropical, and then literally five minutes away, not inland, directly up the coast, five minutes away, borderline desert. Um, (laughs) And the word for that 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 town, that area, was called Lahaina, and the word literally means dry place, I believe. (laughs) It
0: translated roughly means holy shit, a desert.
1: Yeah, basically, (laughs) it was it was. I, I think I've mentioned it on the show before. I know I mentioned it to you. Um, it was wild. We stayed at I think it was Cotinopoly was the area, and it literally rained not just every day, like in tropical places, nearly every minute. <laughs> like it would be beautiful and sunny and then immediately raining five minutes later. and then that's so wild like rain like sunny and then immediately raining again. like the course of an hour it would start and stop raining and but intermittently not be cloudy, like sunny for yeah. like an hour it would happen like three times and it was like when
0: it rained did it get cloudy or was it just a straight up sun shower
1: I, uh, both it depended yeah. on the moment that you were in <laughs> and That's it awesome. was beautiful and it was really nice but like it was like you don't want to really go to like the beach beach when it's raining and like 75 degrees and right. there we were like is it Ever gonna be nice, nice it's like nah. where we can spend like a day getting some sun, and they're like, You don't oh, wait. Just drive sorry. ten minutes down the road, and we did, and it was perfect beach conditions.
0: <laughs> what I heard there is you don't want to go to the beach beach unless it's nice, nice. Is that <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you didn't say that. I
1: did. Not in that order, but yes, uh, I did.
0: Uh there's two other notes on here. Uh three actually. One on the side where the uh the barcode is is a bugle. Straight up. Oh, yeah. Don't know why. Uh, The font for Revelry is dope. I have been looking at a lot of fonts lately, and it's very difficult to pick a font. (laughs) And uh, I like this one. And then finally, if you look, I'm curious if your can has the same thing. If you look between Revelry and brewing in that little blue area, it looks like there's a hidden message between the two words. Do you have that
1: above the barcode?
0: No no no, on the actual main part of the of the can art. On this on this blue revelry brewing banner.
1: Oh. You know what is I, that? I think because of the way the shadows are here, it just looks like it was like some sort of thing under the wrapping. Hmm. And I'm trying to see is it have words or is it It looks like words.
0: I was wondering if it was a signature for the artwork that was then taped over with the with their brand. Uh, banner.
1: There's definitely letters there, but I can't read them.
0: Does it say Rugrats and Rocco's Modern Life? <laughs> it does not. Oh, okay. The last four
1: sure. letters seem to be Dino. D-I-N-O?
0: Maybe. Yeah, it's hard to say. Anyway, uh, this beer is delightful, and uh, would drink again.
1: Yeah, I I enjoyed this. Um I really and, like this. and let's just, you know, at this point in the episode, if you're listening, you may not have noticed it yet, but as you go on, I mean, after you're trying to Titan, which is our favorite thing to talk about. Titan it up. Titan. Um the format of the show so we'll hopefully be a little bit more concise in some of the things we're talking about. But I want to just take a moment to appreciate. We had one of the greatest beer segments we've ever had in an episode. And I know that was driven by me a lot and so that feels like patting myself on the back. But you know, <laughs> what? I'm going to pat myself on the back. I think that was Go one of the better cuz sometimes we I'm talk about
0: formative f- you yeah. learn things together as a group.
1: It was. I, I thought it was kind of fun. I didn't think it was a dry, boring Ben Stein esque lecture. It didn't.
0: Lecture. It didn't sound like just words to me. Which I, if I'm being honest, sometimes it does.
1: <laughs> I know I get caught up in some of the technical, technical mumbo jumbo jargon crap, but uh, no. God, you're just
0: killing me with the nicknames that I can call you. <laughs> well,
1: that was pulled mumbo right
0: from jumbo Christmas, jargon
1: crap. <laughs> that was pulled right from uh, from Christmas Vacation. That was Brian Doyle Murray saying to uh, to Clark. He goes, "I want you to give a you know talk on your n- non nutritive cereal varnish at the uh, the uh, <laughs> layman terms. None of that you know, technical mumbo jumbo jargon bullshit oh, or right, something like that." <laughs> uh,
0: I need to. We have to have one minor throwback to last week's episode where we had a roughly seven hour conversation on energy drinks, where you had made the claim that. I can only see Chris drinking energy
2: drinks.
0: <laughs> and the next night <laughs> for my birthday, you all came on a Zoom call and he was drinking a Red Bull, <laughs> which was just perfect. And I, I was laughing for a few minutes straight there. And that was all it was. <laughs> and I was hoping that you saw it too.
1: Oh, I did. <laughs> Yeah, we, did we not laugh? Through I know it may have got caught up in the 30 people on that call, but I thought we had a moment where we laughed about that together. I
0: looked I looked directly at you, and I just assumed that that's what you were laughing at as well. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, and, let's and, move and, into some... And
1: unsurprisingly, I fell asleep during that call too. While you did. physically being on the call.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to move into some news and nuggets. First things first. Christopher Nolan is dead set on releasing Tenet on July 17th.
1: Is this going to happen? If I can fix my microphone and make it actually play again. Uh, (laughs) uh, I hope so. But also, you know, release could be a pretty nebulous term. Oh,
0: sorry. Let me be clear. He plans on reopening movie theaters with this movie.
1: Okay. So I'm sure that assuming Florida hasn't died in a virulent fire uh, that they will have movie theaters open Mm. as will other States. And if you live in Florida, uh, my prayers go out to you because, and I live in New York, which is facing the worst of it. um, Despite a lot of the state trying in earnest to be good about dealing with this pandemic. Um, And I, I mean, from my perspective, I am out as I was telling Anthony before I've been out in public working 60 hours a week. So Uh, it's not lost on me the dangers of the situation, but we've had, what, 100,000 people-ish die? I I don't know what the most updated version is, and by the time this episode airs, it'll be in higher, which is not great, and I don't mean to make light of this whole situation, but if you're going to open movie theaters and stadiums and arenas, which, as they were talking on the news today in Florida, they plan on doing this week. Forget about two months from now in July. So, I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how they're going to do it without killing another 100,000 people. And listen, no one wants to be able to go to a movie theater more than you and I. We do a movie podcast. We love being in the movie theater to watch movies, it's a great experience. It's my home away from home. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You spend even more time in theaters than I do. Um, And I try to go weekly because we're we're doing a show that we weekly see a new movie. Well, oh, that, that
0: that being said, uh, if, if somehow it were to open for this movie, I am torn. Um, ultimately, I know I'm not going to go.
1: Yeah, uh, it's too soon. I won't either. And I, like I said, we, I and you living in New Jersey and not terribly far from the city, you have nearly as much danger as anyone living in New York does. Uh, we mm-hmm. live, you and I live, equidistant basically from the city, at least by drive time, if not by actual physical distance. Mm-hmm. Um. It's not safe. It's not going to be safe to do that in two months. Uh, Could it be safe in the fall? Maybe. Safer? Sure. But that's a really dumb decision. Now, could you and I park in adjacent cars at a drive-in movie theater and see this? Hell yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Did New York State start pumping up the fact that they have the most drive-in movie theaters of any state in the nation this week? They sure did. (laughs) <laughs> um, and that's something that you can do safely because you don't have yeah. to leave the confines of your car mm. um, so I would be on board for finding a drive-in theater near me I
0: think that, that's, that would be the only way that we would be able to see this movie on release day which I would because love to
1: do and then you and I it, could sit 30 feet apart from each other in my house sure. and because I, I know it's tough uh, we would love to be able to see each other actually we we're running into an issue where Uh, We are running out of beer despite how much we had. Um, And I don't necessarily feel hundred percent safe trying to send it to you in the mail. So mostly because I don't want to break federal law, but sure. (laughs) (laughs) uh, And like (laughs) Caleb, who has been on with us a few weeks ago, he's going to be on with us probably next week of the week after to do another movie. Uh, And also can we, let's just mention now Caleb has a, was one of my good friends. He did the artwork for our, our, uh, our new logo, for Mm -hmm. Flix and the Six. You're listening to us. You've seen our new logo, hopefully. Uh, He is a graphic designer by trade. Uh, Him and another friend of mine started a podcast. It's called Shortcast Pod. Um, They talk about a bunch of different things. It's the first episode is out this week. It's about video games, MMA fighting, and kind of whatever else they wanted to talk about. News of the day stuff.
0: (laughs) General things.
1: Um, And (laughs) <laughs> While they're not part of the spin tune umbrella, and maybe they never will be, I imagine that we're gonna have a pretty good relationship with their show. Sure. Um, because like I said, Cal's gonna be back on next week or the week after. He's gonna talk about his show on here. I'm gonna I go, go on their so. show. Yeah, you know, maybe even Anthony could go on their show, it'd be cool. Yeah. Um and this is a PSA. Two podcasts. They're fun. They are fun. <laughs> pod- <laughs> So I saw, I saw Caleb last week. It was really awkward because he is living fully in his house. His girlfriend is still working, but she is a baker and she is working in a very small store, which she is the only person who's in there. Mm -hmm. So she's not too unsafe because she's not even in contact with customers. They're doing deliveries. Right. Um, Caleb is thankfully now working from home. Uh, He had been laid off for a while. And I am working extremely publicly every day. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to... I didn't know that he got his, his job back and all that. So I brought him some Al's Ales to make him feel better. And I found that out, which was great.
0: Turned out to be a celebration. But uh, yeah, and so I had, to,
1: I had to leave him <laughs> his beer and stand in his hallway of his apartment building to talk to him because... And shout at him. Yeah, I didn't want to make... Him in a position to be unsafe, sure. and so it's the same thing with you and me Now, Kel lives 20 minutes from me, and I literally was driving down the road he lives on between jobs on the day where I was working, and it was convenient for me to drop off beer. I knew I was going to be over there. Anthony lives almost two hours away from me. I can't Fact. do that, and he lives outside of the region that my company services, so it's not even like I could find a way- be in
0: the vicinity
1: divert to him i guess we could meet in the middle somewhere um but it's kind of me and mom talk for both of us <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> so we would love to be able to do the show together so maybe we'll do a drive in and then we can sit 30 feet away from each uh, other in my house
0: alternatively uh you could sit on my deck and i could turn the tv in the den <laughs> and i could crank up oh you know what i'll put a couple speakers outside I can make it work.
1: Well, I'm not so concerned about the watching so much as the recording. The acoustics would be terrible if we recorded outside.
0: 100%. But only you would be outside. I would sound fantastic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and even with the closed (laughs) glass door, you'll hear me just as clearly as anyone because I'll just be shouting at the door.
0: It's so true. Um, Give me a new. Give me a new, would you?
1: All right. Do you want news on The Mandalorian Season 2 or do you want news on HBO Max? Mando. (laughs) <laughs> so we've been getting little snippets of news from Mandalorian season two. So this is on slash film. This is from uh, yesterday. Exclusive. The Mandalorian season two recruits Katie Sackhoff to play Bo-Katan in live action. Now, for those of you who don't know, Bo-Katan cries is an important character from star Wars, the clone wars, which just wrapped up its final season after it had been revived. Uh, I am like three or four episodes behind because I basically haven't lived for the past three weeks. I'm trying to catch up on... I, there's been a lot of series finales in the past couple of weeks, and mm. I haven't got to watch any of them. I wow. almost knocked out all of the final season of uh, Brockmire. I was watching it right before we got on. I have two episodes left of that. I have, I think, four episodes left of uh, The Clone Wars. I have like six episodes left of the final season of Homeland. Mm-hmm. and I, was, I just my, put my life on pause basically... All viewing other than The Last Dance and whatever movie we were doing for the show for the last three weeks. So anyway, this is from Slash Film. Battlestar Galactica star and Star Wars veteran Katie Sackhoff is joining The Mandalorian Season 2. We have exclusively learned that she will be playing a live-action version of Bo-Katan Cries, a Mandalorian warrior she previously voiced in Dave Filoni's animated series, Star Wars The Clone Wars and later Star Wars Rebels. Uh, as she was in the final season of Rebels. I actually didn't realize that she was the one who voiced her. On the oh, show. cool. Um, I was familiar with the actress. I knew she was in Battlestar Galactica. I've seen her in a couple of things. I, the one thing I know was she was in one of the leads in one season of 24. Um, yeah. I think I've seen her in something else, but I don't remember what it was now.
0: Man, every time 24 comes up, I, I like it's a, something that I have completely removed like it's not it's like not in the back of it's like I guess it's deep back there but it's like not anywhere near the forefront of my mind and then I remember that I've seen all of it like, <laughs> when, like, and like and you said that and I remember her in it
1: that was really the first show that I actually started watching as like an adolescent approaching young adulthood like I wasn't like when I was a little kid, like I watched all of like the Nickelodeon Disney stuff. There was a bunch of movies I liked. I didn't watch TV through yeah. like middle school and like I would watch reruns of things or whatever. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Some sports, obviously, uh, but I was I didn't. There was no shows that I followed back then. It sure. wasn't until 24, I think, the third season I started watching my mom. That's about
0: when show. I got into it too. That's funny.
1: My mom loved the show and I got into it in the third season and I watched it through and that carried me into, into high school. I think the final season of that aired in 2007, 2008, that was the only show I really watched until I picked up family guy around that time.
0: Mm, mm. I will never forget with 24 having like starting around the same time, like three or four seasons in and then like catching up on the previous ones uh, with DVDs, DVD box sets.
1: I had uh, the box set I think, for season one, and I don't think I ever even watched it.
0: I watched watched through the first two seasons during a blizzard. Nice. It was great. It was chili. It was soup. <laughs> it was good. It was a good. <laughs> it was a nice, warm, and cozy counter terrorist weekend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. For continuing on with this, although both Lucasfilm and Sackoffs. Reps declined to comment. We have confirmed the story with multiple sources. She filmed her role back in February before Hollywood production shut down due to the global coronavirus pandemic. Hmm. Zachoff has made a career of playing complex sci-fi tough woman, recently appearing in Netflix sci-fi drama series in Sorry,
0: Life. I have to pause you there. Was that plural or singular? Woman or woman? Women. Woman. Uh, oh, okay, so it sounded like you said woman, like one singular one that she's played over and over again in different so movies.
1: woman and women are spelled... Exactly the same, except for an A and E at the
0: end. Yeah, you got to commit, and you just go with it once you t- reach the end of the word. So that's what,
1: that's what happened is I started reading it as if I was going to say singular woman, and then I realized that it was women. Woman. And so it came out to be woman, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, man. Uh, she's made a clear a career of playing complex sci-fi tough women. There it recently is. Recently appearing in Netflix sci-fi drama Another Life mandalorian season two completed principal photography in march and post-production is being done remotely so the new episodes will still hit disney plus in october 2020
0: and it's going to be so sweet when it does
1: bo-katan first appeared in season four of the star wars animated series star wars the clone wars the character was a mandalorian warrior a lieutenant in the radical splinter group death watch second in command to the group's leader Prey vizsla when maul took possession of the dark saber executed Vizsla and took the throne of Mandalore Bo-Katan refused to accept the outsider as her new leader she was instrumental in recruiting the Jedi and the Republic to lay siege to Mandalore and oust Maul later in Star Wars Rebels Sabine Wren chose to pass the infamous weapon to Bo-Katan spoilers Anthony Dang. believing that she could <laughs> unite the Mandalorian <laughs> clans <laughs> it was only in the middle of that sentence that I realize that you haven't finished Rebels
0: <laughs> that's fine By the time I'll finish it, it'll it'll be a surprise when it happens.
1: If you don't know the animated series, it all boils down to this. Bo-Katan was an instrumental Mandalorian leader who once wielded the Darksaber, a weapon that the villainous Moth Gideon now controls, as seen in the first season finale of The Mandalorian.
0: Nice. Nice. This is exciting. More news on this is exciting. Can't wait for season two. I haven't uh, taken a dive into it yet, but that uh documentary is out or at least coming out in parts
1: for the first season yeah i'd like to get to that eventually that's uh i forget there was a name for that that thing man to watch yeah no (laughs) that's that's our thing we're trademarking (laughs) that no i forget what it's called but there's a name for that thing that's releasing periodically on disney plus it looks like
0: okay yeah i don't know what it's called i it galleries maybe something like that something along those lines cool i'm excited New characters. That's exciting, or first time real as real action, pretty cool um man uh there's a there's are two awesome Star Wars things within a couple of weeks of each other, so looking forward to i'm I'm ready, I'm ready to get back in, yeah, yeah, ready for some star Wars love. um, I figured I'd catch you up. I am still watching Scrubs. I am still loving every minute of it uh that show i really it's each week. I am so surprised that I was sleeping on this show. It's insane to me how much of a show it is for me.
1: I know that's <laughs> why I've been confused by this this whole time. You're so good. Resistance. You're kind of hemmed and hawed to get started with. I know it's a lot, so it can be kind of intimidating, but.
0: Sure, but uh, it is a, it is absolutely a blast. Uh, that being said, because Scrubs is, I'm just powering through episodes of Scrubs, which I'm only like an like a season and three quarters in because each season is a billion episodes. Uh, yeah, but they're but, only
1: like twenty three minutes long.
0: Sure, but uh, <laughs> I I just I can't watch too many things in a row.
1: That it's, I feel like you can though.
0: Well, yeah, that, but I don't know. Even even that three is like my limit.
1: Really? Okay. I like just a binging experience. I mean, I've talked about in the past. Sometimes you need to take a pause between watching episodes of Sopranos or mm -hmm. episodes of The Wire or uh, like Always Sunny or Curvy Enthusiasm. Sometimes because whether it be the darkness or the just absolutely cringiness, I do need a little palate cleanser in between. Sure, but Scrubs feels like the type of thing for me where I could watch. 12 episodes if i had
0: enough for me it's more about the the sitting viewing is i, I it, one i'm engaged for one to two stories at a time so if it's a three and a half hour movie fine it's one story i'm totally engaged uh and then like i don't know a 30 minute show after that great but when you start reaching that third story for whatever reason i'm just i'm starting to fidget i want to do other things want to move around i don't know what it is
1: uh, but. see, the big thing is and you work from home full time so you I'm sure, know all the secrets. I treat my binging the way I do working from home. Um, I get up after every episode, go to the bathroom, fill up my cup, maybe grab a snack, give myself five, ten minutes in between episodes, and then get right back into it. You know what I mean?
0: Mm -hmm. That could work. That could work.
1: Because otherwise, I agree, I get into the same sort of thing where I get a little fidgety if I'm just unbroken, not moving for. A couple of hours at a when time. When you become
0: one with the couch.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and I drink so much, and that's not actually a reflection of alcoholism. I mean, literally just water. I'll drink same. I drink over a gallon of water a day, in addition to a lot of coffee, and then probably usually a drink at the end of the night, if not more. Like when we're doing the show, I usually have mm-hmm. to. Like, I drink so much fluid that I have to take a piss every hour, basically. Uh, sometimes more often than that.
0: Well, where that was going was that Sopranos is still on hold uh, and is indefinitely on hold while I enjoy something that I'm watching. (laughs) But uh, you did make you you saying drink at the end of the night, man, I am loving the Fernie Branca. And all I can think about is Alfred with every sip.
1: See, I wasn't one hundred percent sure if that was something that you had or if you just saw it somewhere else.
0: No, no, Kim bought it for me because I've been wanting to try it since I've seen (laughs) The Dark Knight. But
1: that was your your birthday birthday (laughs) present.
0: And I'm sorry, I didn't get
1: you the awesome eighty six dollar bottle (laughs) of toots.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought we were close, but whatever. Uh, (laughs) Give me your other new. Give it to me.
1: What do you got? Uh, Before I do that, though, can you figure out why I can't see you on the camera anymore? Anymore? Yeah, I saw you before, and then I flipped screens, and then I came back, and now I see your little avatar on Skype, so. There you are. Oh, I'm back. Hey, there you are. I'm back, baby. (laughs) You remember how a couple months ago we were talking about HBO Max? No. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) No, we mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. And... Where we left off was we don't really know what it is other than a vehicle for some new exclusive content and also friends. Mm -hmm. And we didn't understand who was going to have access to it. And also Looney Tunes, right? Yes, I believe so. Because it's a Warner property. But regardless, we had a lot of questions and concerns about it. And so the thing is, like a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, they made a big release. of Hey, it's coming out. Then, uh, and I, right. think is, I think May 27th, I believe. Mama's birthday? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's it's my mama's, mama's birthday. birthday. <laughs> uh, day before my sister's birthday. Friend of the show. Occasional recurring guest, Gianna. Um, okay. But anyway, uh, and I noticed some TV writers who I follow were mentioning how odd it is that the streaming service would have no information, nothing about what it's all about. Not even a date until so close to when the actual date of it dropping was. So, I found a thread on Twitter today describing the (laughs) specifics of HBO Max. Amazing. Because, you know, it's nice to know what the fuck it actually is. So, a thread from someone who writes from Variety. Her name is Cynthia Littleton. Since there have been questions about this, HBO Max will be free to HBO subscribers. Which I mentioned was a big problem for me. I thought I was going to have to buy it on the side. I was like, I'm not fucking doing that. I already pay for HBO. Well, I'm going to pay for another, another service on top of that. Exactly. Anyway, if you subscribe to HBO now, it will be the gateway to HBO Max starting May 27th. If you get HBO through, and, and I don't know what this cluster of letters means, but MVPD, such as Charter, DirecTV, Hulu, the HBO Max app will be available on your homepage hub, and you'll log in using your MVPD authentication password. If you get HBO from an MVPD that does not have an HBO Max deal with Warner Media, you'll have to drop HBO via your MVPD and sign up online to buy HBO Max directly through Warner Media if you want the additional Max content. The price should be about the same, around $15 a month, unless you were getting a promotional discount. The HBO Max app encompasses Original Recipe HBO as a separate content hub, as well as the max programming. Warner Media has a bunch of MVPD HBO Max distribution packs coming prior to launch, which are expected to cover a large number of existing HBO subscribers, sparing people the hassle of dropping service and restarting. Whether Comcast and Dish will be there on day one is still an open question. The many iterations of HBO, where they came from, and what will happen to them are addressed in the sidebar from G. Daniel Holloway, and that's a story on Variety about. And the title is Why but, HBO Became the Brand to Anchor Warner Media's High Stakes Streaming. Program.
0: But that's just a bunch of words. Somewhere under the hood, something went wrong that they couldn't just update HBO Go slash Now.
1: No, what happened was, I, this is how I'm reading this. They want to kill HBO Now and replace it with HBO Max without ostracizing actual... HBO subscribers. Right.
0: Rebrand HBO Now. That's essentially what this is. Yeah, but it's not what they're saying. There's going to be an HBO Max application. You're going to have to delete your HBO Now application. It's really stupid. Well, basically, it sounds like
1: if you have HBO on an over-the-top box.
0: If you got it, you got it. That's all I got from this.
1: Well, if you got it, you got it with a couple of exceptions. Basically. Sure. Um, which that largely works for me. And I know that could be kind of flippant towards the people who don't have one of those situations. But it sounds like sure. you but can But if you do have a multi
0: channel video programming distributor box.
1: <laughs> the point is, if you have HBO now, while you will have to go through a bit of a hassle to hook this up, like you to change your account over to this, you'll still be getting it for about the same price. Right. You'll just have to go through some logistical bullshit.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying that that part should not have been on the consumer.
1: Sure, I agree. They should just be able to replace it. But the point is, I guess... uh, I mean, if you're going to do a rebrand, why not do a hard restart? It's uh, it's not the end of the world.
0: It's not. It's just really dumb. Well, I guess
1: what I'll say is, if you were a subscriber to HBO Now... You're savvy enough to figure out how to do the switch. Sure. You're not ostracizing some eighty-year-old grandmother somewhere. She, if she has HBO, she'll have access to this in the same way.
0: Right, right. But <laughs> just fix it.
1: <laughs> well, I guess rather than fix it, they just decided to build something from the ground up. And if that works for them, then why the hell not? I guess. Yeah. I, Sometimes, I, I mean, I, I guess it can be different with programming, but. You know, sometimes you're not going to be able to refurbish or you know, remodel a house or a building. It, sometimes it's better to just lay it to waste and build it from scratch.
0: Sure. It's, uh, it, it is rarely a good idea in programming, but I hear what you're
1: saying. I'll withhold judgment on that until I see the finished product. Because actually, HBO Go, and I don't have HBO now, I have HBO Go.
0: Go is a nightmare.
1: I actually was going to say just the opposite. I like HBO Go.
0: Oh, I can't stand it. It never works for me. I can't click through things right. It's super slow. I had HBO Now for a while, and it was awesome.
1: I've never had a problem with HBO The only issue I've had with HBO Go is occasionally when I hard close the app and want to come back in the middle of an episode or something like that. It's Sometimes like not it, there. It doesn't bookmark the exact moment that I left it off with. That's Dude, the only issue I've ever
0: <laughs> On that note, I was watching The Sopranos, and I the episode ended, and I hit that button to start the next episode. And the screen went black, and the screen came back. And it started, and it was like it was in the middle of an episode. And I was like, this is weird. Also, this is familiar. What happened here? And it was like in the middle of two episodes ago. <laughs>
1: yeah, I would say that something like Netflix or Amazon does a much better job of letting you jump right back into where oh, you yeah. were. Um, but a lot of the other stuff, Netflix is probably the gold standard on that whole experience. Oh, yeah, for sure. Finding what you want to watch. Assuming you know what you want to watch. I, know I just
0: assume that when I'm watching Netflix that there's a Jim Carrey in a green jumpsuit somewhere with one of those plunger things on his head. Just streaming my thoughts into
1: his. <laughs> a la Batman Forever. <laughs> that sort of... That sort of thing is beyond what I'm talking about. Just (laughs) as far as the actual user experience, if you know what you want to watch, because there's been the jokes for nearly 10 years now about how much time you can waste on the home screen trying to find something. Oh, sure. If you know what you want to watch on Netflix, whether it be picking up something you've already been watching, starting to watch something new, if you know what you want to watch, you can't really top the user interface that Netflix presents to you. Agreed. That being said... There's a lot of crap that you have to wade through at times with Amazon, but it still mm-hmm. does a really good job of bookmarking You know the place in the episode or movie you were watching. Sure. HBO, that's the only issue I have. Navigating it, I've never had an issue with. I mm-hmm. actually have always liked the way that they display displayed to you your options, the way that the search works, the way that they have really good descriptions and like ways to jump within a show. I've actually always liked that layout and the way that's presented to you.
0: I mm-hmm. uh- one final piece for our News & Nuggets segment, and it's a just a light PSA. Buy movies. And <laughs> what I'm doing here is I'm holding up a book. Uh, it's not a great movie. It's a decent movie. It's Birds of Prey. Steelbook. Great artwork. Solid copy. Uh, here's why. When you see a movie you like or when you're interested in a movie, just buy it. Go to Best Buy on the website. Not in stores. Stores don't exist anymore, and they won't after this. But go, <laughs> go, go on the website and pre-order it because someday, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, you're gonna get a random package in the mail, and you'll be like, "Oh, a present! <laughs> what is this?" And it's gonna be a movie with beautiful box art, and it's great. It's amazing. I love this. This happened to me with Star Wars recently, and happened to me
1: with Jumanji, <laughs> and it's now happened with Birds of Prey. I love getting these little boxes in the mail. Also, added benefit, and I think it's something we kind of talked about, or maybe talked around a few weeks ago. I may have been sleeping through that conversation. Who knows? Sure. Uh, <laughs> as it's, you do, it's as as I have done. Hopefully, will not be doing it. So far, I've been way more. Yeah, you're good.
0: You're episode. wide awake today.
1: Uh, well, I, you know, the four thirty latte I drank helped too. It was nice. Gift. It was a gift. Um, but uh, anyway when you like something
0: i thought nice. you were just going to say anyway blue <laughs> <laughs> i'm
1: going to have to drop i don't it's probably too soon maybe in a couple of weeks i'll try and drop a blue um when you like something it's nice to pay for it let's rewind to like the late 90s early 2000s there sure. were movies that came out that flopped the box office yeah and then people discovered them largely through AM Comedy Central viewings, occasionally a TNT or AMC, maybe HBO. And you watch this thing and it's like, huh, I didn't know that thing existed. Or maybe I heard it wasn't so good. I love this thing. Let me go buy it on VHS or maybe DVD. If it was the early 2000s. Sure. Let me go buy that thing. And then a lot of people did that. And then they kept buying those things and it made up for what looked like a bust at the box office with, Actually, vibrant sales on DVD. Movies such as, mm-hmm. let's say, Office Space. Um, sure. Along many others. But that's one I always know is talked about as the word of mouth cult classic. Anchorman, actually, to a certain extent, mm-hmm. that was true as well. Boondock Saints. Um, Boondock Saints almost exclusively how that. And so yeah. a lot of people bought physical copies of these movies. Now, it's 2020. So if you want to buy a digital copy, more power to you. But the point is, when you pay for the thing that you like, you get to see more of it. Right. And when you don't, then you don't. So movies that are really good that don't get what they deserve at the box office, because let's just call it what it is. Maybe the box office doesn't really appeal to you anymore. Maybe you just don't want to pay the prices. Maybe you're just too fucking lazy to go and see it. And you know that you can see it for free through pirating and streaming it. You know what? I'm not going to judge you for those things. I will judge you for complaining about there not being good movies out, though. Because they exist. Right. And when you find them, if you don't then back it up with your dollar, you don't get more of the good stuff from the good people making the movies. That's true. And I, I respect that about you. There's a lot of things that you have accessed and enjoyed in a digital fashion. Sure. That didn't require you to separate from a single dollar in your pocket. And then you went back and made good on the the social contract and you paid for the thing because yeah. you enjoyed it. And yeah. those dollars still matter even Absolutely. after the box office is closed.
0: And and I will say uh, I <laughs> I want there have been times <laughs> where all I wanted to do was give you the dollars for the movie and you just didn't let me. <laughs> But now, like I'm saying, just pre-order these movies. They come when they come, and it's great. You just get a little treat in the mail, put them on your shelf. They look great. It's awesome. My movie I, collection is ever-growing. I was,
1: was going to say, I don't mind the least to buy a model, and I'll say that loosely. Like If you want to watch a movie by whatever means you want to watch, if you love it, go buy it. You Buy it mm. fucking used, whatever. The, the, the thing is, it still was purchased at some point. Spend some dollars on that thing. And I know right now, literally right now, it's tough to ask that of a lot of people because money is tight. But a year from now, say, everything is a little bit back to normal. Everyone's working better. Spend money on what's good. Pay for quality because that's the only way that quality gets... We've dealt with this. That is, and this isn't in any way, shape, or form political. There is a mentality in this country where we trend towards safety mm. in business. Beer. This show loves beer, right? We talk about great beer. This we show
0: does love beer. We haven't
1: done fucking Bud Light <laughs> on this loves? show. Either else it loves?
0: Bernie Branca.
1: <laughs> we haven't done Bud Light on this show. I think we did Corona once as a joke for Fast and the Furious.
0: That sounds about right.
1: But, you know, <laughs> the entire American beer industry for the last 60 years has been towards giving you the least offensive thing the safest thing that you can a lot of people will drink and that's not meant to be a judgment on that sort of thing i've said on this show a lot of times i don't judge anyone for liking what they like because it's quoted quote not as good as the thing i like if you like the thing you like that's fine i just wish for you to register where it exists on the spectrum we've talked about it with movies or tv shows if you like something that's crappy because it makes you feel good i have no problem with that as long as you don't try and hold it up in comparison to something that's better <laughs> right. like you can enjoy it all you want and i really i'm uh, being 100 this year i will never judge you for saying i love this shitty thing as long as you know it's shitty i don't care i really don't mm-hmm. if it makes you happy then I'm happy for you. I really am. Same thing with beer. If you enjoy drinking Bud Light or Coors Light or whatever, I will never judge you. As long as you never say like the beer is good, because it's not. And <laughs> this is coming from someone who appreciates what goes into the actual like engineering manufacture of that beer. I appreciate the process, the quality control required to make every one of those cans or bottles taste exactly the same as the other one. That's not easy to do. That yeah. requires a lot. Just,
0: and I, well, I completely agree with Al on all this, except don't tell me you liked Roma. Moving on. <laughs> Let's get into fun and games. Okay. Of which, this episode, Al, drumroll please, I've got two options for you. The first of which is, which of the Beatles are you? Or... Which Beatles song are you?
1: Okay, so disclosure, before we do these games quizzes, before we do this movie, Mm. I'm not really a Beatles fan. That's fine. Kind of like what we were just talking about with the beer and stuff, I appreciate why they're so highly regarded.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: They are absolutely revolutionary in the field. I don't love their songs. Sure. actual songs. Uh, I like a handful of them. But overall, I've never really been a huge fan of their sound.
0: The Beatles are to you as the Sopratos is to
1: me. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's probably pretty accurate. Um, So I guess let's go with the Beatles song because telling me I am a Beatle means nothing to me. Because I don't really even know much about them specifically. I know John Lennon died. I know George Harrison died. I know how they died. Other than that, I don't know a ton. I don't even recognize which one of them is singing when their songs play.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Which Beatles song are you? This one might be a little bit difficult for you. Who is your favorite Beatle? <laughs> <laughs> is it John, Paul, George, or Ringo?
1: Uh,
0: wanna give Ringo some love? I feel like Ringo doesn't. Really I was love. thinking
1: about that. That Family Guy joke about him is mean. It's funny, <laughs> but it's mean. Uh, let's go with Ringo. All
0: right, Ringo, it is.
1: This is gonna leave me with a song that I don't like, isn't it?
0: Ew, this is interesting. If you were a meal, what would you be? A family-style dinner to share with everyone. <laughs> a quiet meal for two in a romantic restaurant. A popular dish everyone loves. Pasta, which was invented by the Chinese, not the Italians. Rosewater and bamboo shoots with a shot of wheatgrass.
1: Wait, so this is, a- which is my favorite meal or this is which meal am I?
0: Which meal would you be if you were a meal? It can be a family-style dinner.
1: To say, I don't even know what the fuck this all means. <laughs> I, sure, why not? Do
0: How do you unwind after a long day? Didn't we have this question last week? Netflix, a long conversation... <laughs> you expect me to
1: remember something from last week.
0: <laughs> Netflix, a long conversation with my best friend. Meditation, cuddling with my SO, going for a walk through my neighborhood.
1: I'm sorry. I got so thrown off by the... The SO thing. Can you repeat that whole thing for me, please? Sure.
0: How do you unwind after a long day? Netflix, a long conversation with my best friend, meditation, cuddling with my SO, going for a walk through my neighborhood.
1: Okay. Uh let's go with the Netflix one.
0: Yeah, I think the last week it was a similar question, and you went with TV.
1: Yeah, so consistency.
0: Pick an instrument. Uh okay, we have a guitar. We have a just the worst picture of the piano that I've ever seen. A couple of maracas, an oboe, a accordion, and it's just a picture of a rock band that says all of the above.
1: If you don't pick maracas <laughs>
0: You could say you don't like maracas, but you can't tell me that they're not the greatest
1: instrument. <laughs> that, that's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> All
0: right, a coworker takes credit for your work. What do you do? Nothing. Applaud them for acknowledging the great work I did. Vent about it for a few beers with my buddies. Stew about it in silence. Let it go.
1: With the buddies.
0: I feel like this. um Quiz is like has weirdly existential questions that are going to re- reveal some Beatles song answer. Too, right.
1: Also, haven't some of these had five options? There's only four Beatles, is last set Yeah, uh,
0: that's true. So there's definitely except, some for, that, sort of except for that
1: one skit in with Bob and Dave where they talked about the fifth Beatle dying who no one knew about but instantly missed. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that skit. Yeah. The-
0: yes. All right, pick your poison whiskey, wine, tea, chicken soup, chocolate, or Facebook.
1: Whiskey, next. But did you hear the other option? No, I don't even remember the question. I just heard whiskey and wine. And I went with whiskey.
0: Which Beatles style do you prefer? Mop tops and matching suits, Sgt. Pepper mustaches and colorful outfits, long hair, beards, and comfy clothes.
1: The suits one. Okay. <laughs>
0: How many questions is this quiz? All you need is love, recognition, friends, memories, success, peace. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so it was love, recognition, and then what else?
0: Friends, memories, success, or peace.
1: Let's go with friends.
0: Okay. I'm done with that. What color do you gravitate towards? White, blue, pink, red, green, or yellow. Green. He's a green guy. Just wanted to know that it looks like the slime from Nickelodeon. The world will end in two days. What do you do? Grab my boo and spend that time cuddling and professing our love for one another. Grab my closest friend and spend time cuddling and professing our love for one another. (laughs) (laughs) No, it says (laughs) sorry. I made that one up. Uh, Grab my boo, that one. Then it was grab my closest friend and have a party where we talk about the good times. Meditate on an meditate on the inevitable and be at peace with it all hit up the karaoke bar and sing my heart out
1: (laughs) um well i've only barely dipped my toe in the water of Mm karaokeing and never really had much success with the whole boo thing so let's go with have a party with my best friend
0: sounds good we're calculating your results sir are you ready
1: sure God damn it. This is the one that makes me take a short quiz to get the results. <laughs> a quiz
0: inside of a quiz? Hang on. Quizception? Almost done. Answer these questions to see your result. This one max per day anonymous opinion survey helps keep the website free. All right. Fine. Please indicate your age.
1: Okay. Household income. Interesting. My Social age is number. not
0: on there. What a weird thing to have. Ranges. That's skip a year. <laughs> I don't Just think I'm allowed to answer here. this. <laughs> Alright. All right. How old
1: are you now? 31?
0: 32.
1: 32? Look at me flattering you unintentionally. Oh no. Crap. What happened?
0: I clicked <laughs> it said which language do you prefer and I accidentally
1: clicked Spanish. <laughs> so you picked Mandarin Chinese didn't you? Uh,
0: Spanish at least you have a chance. Hang on. Oh my god. Is there a way to get to the answer of the quiz?
1: Didn't you take Italian for like six years? You should probably be able to figure out Spanish.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's so many questions. There's so many questions though. You couldn't just hit that? It, it, says, it says a short quiz. No, it's still going, the, this thing to get me the answer. I had to take this sh- short quiz to get an answer.
1: A short six questions in Spanish quiz.
0: Oh, my God. I got it. Okay, we're at the end. I just started uh, jamming on the keyboard and just submitting that as my answer. Uh, your Beatles song is with a little help from my friends. You're a big fan of comfort and spending time with the people you love the most. There was a giant gap between that last word and the next part of the sentence. You are charming and always the life of the party. Al?
1: I have definitely been guilty of being the life of the party on occasion, but I wouldn't say I'm always.
0: I will say that there is a uh, general consensus in this house that we have just this running uh, list of these are the people that stay to the end of the party, you're always on that list.
1: Well, I always stay at your house after the party.
0: So. That's true. But even when it was a remote party, you stayed to the end. Sure, I appreci- slept through the end, but I was there. Physically. You were there.
1: I was you not there. there in spirit, but I was there in body.
0: Well, sir, with that, let us get into our flick of the week. Across the Universe, released on the 12th of October, 2007, rated PG-13, is a drama fantasy history.
1: History? Light history. I mean, it was history in the way that Forrest Gump was history.
0: They, yeah, uh, they're, they're really going to try to trip me up with this uh, synopsis, so bear with me. But the music of the Beatles and the Vietnam War, from the backdrop for the romance between an upper-class American girl and a poor Liverpoolian artist...
1: Yes, Liverpudlian.
0: Liverpudlian? Is that, is, that, is that what you would call someone from Liverpool?
1: I believe so. I'm not looking at the word, but I believe that's, that's the
0: word. That's ridiculous.
1: Was that a sentence that I just read? I don't think you finished it. No, no, no that it, is, was... it is a sentence. But yeah, that's a you. so yes, I was correct. Liverpudlian. Uh, yeah, Liverpudlian. The music of the Beatles and the Vietnam War formed the backdrop for the romance between an upper-class American girl and a poor Liverpudlian act- artist. I almost said actress. I don't know why.
0: Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's a uh, that's an okay synopsis. My my tweet length review is the better synopsis. So I'm gonna dive right into that for you. A stylist musical bolstered by highly thematic renditions of the Beatles greatest hits following a group of interconnected young adult lost souls exploring the meaning of self love and purpose as they navigate through a distressingly uncertain time.
1: That was definitely longer than one tweet. Well, sorry, what did you? out of ten. <laughs> uh, I went with a slightly cheesy slash corny, but earnest and heartfelt look at life, love, and growing up in the 1960s, set to the music of the Beatles. Rating? 7.5 out of ten.
0: Both accurate. Both accurate synopsis better than the one from IMDb.
1: <laughs> well, I believe both of ours were slightly, well, yours definitely was longer than the- that one. Mine was slightly longer than that one. Hmm. Hmm. Well, uh, you know, what? I mean, they, yeah, we traded stuff that we didn't. Neither of us touched on the fact that it was this whole East, East meets West thing, you know.
0: Sure. Um, yeah, I, we we left out the Liverpudlian of it all.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, like they said, lower class British, higher upper class American. Sure. It is an important distinction to make. I don't know if it's as important as the things that we mentioned. So.
0: Right, right. Uh, I think they were. I think all souls in the movie were equally lost. Trying to find their way,
1: <laughs> uh, Regar- really, regardless of background. Really, literally, I mean, was anyone yeah. more lost than Prudence? Oh, I mean, literally got lost in the movie. She just doesn't exist in the final third of the movie.
0: She comes back.
1: Yeah, the very final scene. And then <laughs> With no explanation back? as to where she's been for the past few years.
0: Oh no, she comes back in between that. What? It's it's hard to notice. She's Did in the acid come- trip. Oh yeah, that, yeah. She's in the acid trip, and she's it. at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. But we um, lost her for a couple of years. <laughs> that's true. But we knew she ran away.
1: We weren't even 100% sure she was in the acid trip. It's just someone's like,
0: is that <laughs> That's Prudence.
1: Prudence. <laughs> and like, the acid could have explained it away.
0: <laughs> maybe Prudence isn't real.
1: Whoa. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Prudence is just the friends we made along the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, things that jump out to me uh, in our general impressions of this movie. Um Really stylish. Love the color palette. Like, it's it's a very pretty movie.
1: It was extremely 1960s. It was mm-hmm. extremely 1960s on acid at times. Not the whole time, but at times.
0: It is extremely 1960s as depicted in 2007. Is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, listen. <laughs> Did the Beatles have haircuts that would have fit in with the emo scene of the mid aughts? Sure. Did Jim Sturgis have the most egregious version of that? Also sure. Yes. Uh, So yes, there was some extremely... 1960s via 2000 something in that
0: there there is a there's a shot in the movie that I never noticed before this particular viewing of it very early on opening of the movie is uh, Jim Sergis singing is there anybody going to listen to my story? that that whole jam uh, just the opening of that song anyway as it fades it, it the camera pulls in slowly and it fades to a black and white as it goes through and then we start to get flashes of the 60s right things that are happening here and there but as it fades in what you get is his his hair kind of hanging down low in front of his face with his head slightly cocked to the side. And it's actually an iconic picture of John Lennon. Oh, really? And it, but it's, it's like him reposing for it. And they focus on it and freeze it at just the last second as it fades out and the rest of the stuff comes in. And it's the first time that I noticed it.
1: I mean, there was obviously a lot of layers to that sure. whole situation. He's named Jude. There's the song. Hey Jude. It wasn't that the name of John Lennon's son, wasn't it? Or no, Julian. Sorry. Uh, uh, I think it was well, Julian. Well, here's
0: where we're going to show our hand uh, a little bit early, but as you mentioned earlier, you're not, you weren't, you're not a huge fan of the Beatles. I was not, they weren't really even someone like a, a band that I listened to in depth until I actually saw this movie.
1: Which was when?
0: I saw when it came out. Oh, I was
1: only the barest, most vaguely familiar with this movie's existence. I had no idea what it was about. Like, it was just when you mentioned the title, I was like, that sounds oddly familiar. And then when I looked up what it was about and who was in it, I said, no, none of this rings a bell. I just remember Mm. that the movie existed.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. This was a, I was, uh, you know, I wasn't super, I was never super into the Beatles. um, Not, not because I disliked them. I just never, it just something that never really uh, came up for me. Like I was just never like sat and listened to their music. Uh, This movie put them really put them on the map for me. And I listened to like their whole back catalog and like went through all their weird stuff too. And I enjoyed it. Uh, One thing I called out early on in the movie, I actually prefer these renditions of the songs.
1: Well, that's, Definitely true because they modernized them while still staying true to what those songs were. Mm -hmm. Largely, they weren't influencing it with the actual sounds of the time period where the movie itself was made in, with the exception of in the beginning when they're doing that whole like Capulet Montague type thing where they're showing her life and his life. And I remember what song they're singing, but when he's in the club, I actually, for a second, didn't realize the movie was going to take place in the 1960s. I thought it was going to be the mid-2000s, because that could have been pulled out of any scene in the mid-2000s. You could have put sure. any of those fucking My Chemical Ronance, whoever, and it would have like, <laughs> totally fit with what was right. going on and the sound coming out of that. So, um, and yeah. I'm still caught up on the hair, because he was like Billy Joe from Green Day in the front, and... Anyone from any emo band in the back. So, <laughs> uh,
0: so uh, other other basics to get through. Uh, any, I, I think the performances are really well done. I think they knocked it out of the park with character chemistry.
1: Yes, though the chemistry was really really great, and it's not just the two leads. It's all of them with yeah. all of the like attendant hanger on, like with whether you can talk about. Like them with prudence, Sadie with uh, I forget the name of the guitarist because actually, do they even really say his name? Is it Joe? What? No, uh, was no it?
0: Max. Nope. No Hang Max on. was Max was Max. Well, uh, Jojo.
1: Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, Sadie and Jojo, Max and Jude. Like uh, I, I was sold on 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 Max and her being brother and sister. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely the all of the connected i think, i don't know before.
0: how but they yeah they, they nailed it like perfectly they really they, uh, you know what it, it hit me i think it was like halfway through the movie or maybe a third through the movie where jude said referring to max says i love the booger and i went oh i was like why does this matter so much to me and i was like oh it's cuz i believe him <laughs> yeah
1: there was it felt really real their interactions with each other yeah. brother sister Roommate, friend, bandmate, just person who's kind of there. It they they felt like a real group of friends who at times may have been frenemies. Like right, and this one's having sex with that one, but they're dropping this one, and that one's got an unrequited love. Thing but it was the sixties, man. <laughs> but the thing is, it could have fit with right now. Yeah, I've even for sure. felt like it. It reminded me of some of the times I've had with groups of my friends, and none of us have done hardcore drugs they were doing or been yeah. in bands or lived illegally in new york city and like sure. that doesn't matter it felt that same camaraderie that i felt along my inner group of friends
0: yeah no i i completely agree uh other things that that really spoke to me the the choreography and set design like not things that i normally am calling out but holy crap
1: well, those so are important cool. things in a musical. And for even sure. then, they were judicious with it to, so as not to overwhelm you with the musicalness of it. But right. when they picked their spots with the set pieces, they crushed it.
0: Like, the uh, specifically uh, when uh, Max is going in to get his physical for the...
1: Horrifying as that scene was, and I mean literally just the masks that the soldiers are wearing.
0: Yeah, terrifying. <laughs> but the, the whole the conveyor belt dancing, swirling around, like... And Combat even the way training. That the cubicles
1: drop on. So
0: cool. Them. Like as prisons and block. Yeah, it was it, it's awesome. It's so well done. And uh, there's a there's a decent amount of cameos in the movie as well.
1: Uh, including extremely famous musical cameos. Having Bono, first of all, I literally can't stand, I absolutely loathe I am the walrus. I actually dug Bono's version of it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, And the acid trip thing totally fit with all of it. Uh, Joe Cocker playing three or four different roles. So in good. scene Was great. Uh, him and his pimp outfit. Yep. The first time in my life I ever kind of wanted to be a pimp. So many <laughs> to dress like he was. Because <laughs> I would literally never be caught dead in that outfit. But it was
0: incredible. Sure. Yeah, no, he he, uh, he really crushed it. Uh, there's also a, a scene where Samahai plays like ten nurses. Not sure what that was about. Yeah, was 10 really copies, short. Of the
1: same nerves. I didn't yeah. realize she could sing. I didn't know that was a thing that happened. It makes <laughs> sense. I was really confused and surprised as to her being in it until I realized that Julie Taymor also directed Frida, and then it Ah, yeah, there, we so go. make the association. there we go. Uh, Eddie Izzard, yep. which, by the way, Mr. Kite. Yeah. When we get to least favorite moment of the movie, we'll talk about the acid trips, but uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> those are Kim's as well. <laughs>
1: The thing is, and I guess I can just get to mine now. Sure. I understand and appreciate why they have to have that when you consider the context of the history of the Beatles. Oh uh, Well,
0: well just just one thing that we fail to do, I've realized over the past 128 episodes, is we don't give enough context about the specific scene that we're talking about, so walk, walk the folks through that specific scene. Okay,
1: so well, they all decide to do acid at this party in which Sadie is going to be signed to a major record label. And then Bono, who's playing a fictional fake, famous singer, 15, 10 years, whatever, predating what Bono actually got famous, um, he performs I Am the Walrus. As yeah. I said, quite admirably, because I can't stand that song. Mm. And I dug that whole scene, they all acid, you get funky colors, cuckoo, chu, mm. and then they decide to take a cross-country road trip in a bus with the a rear seat facing rear outward. that is a cat <laughs> <laughs> deeply unsafe and there's oh, no yeah. way they could drive 3,000 miles with that on there that's
0: and how they offload people every time they no hit a bump the group gets just a little smaller <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's just no way they could have driven 3,000 miles with that on the back without getting pulled over yeah um, and then after that whole sequence which actually like if they just left the, that totally would have dug it totally would have understood why it has to be a part of it you can't talk about the breadth of the Beatles experience without talking about the acid phase. Sure. But then we got a whole another sequence directly after that with Mr. Kite. Now, I'm conflicted there because hated what was going on, because sure. it was extremely Pink Elephant's well, Dumbo. I,
0: I, I'll, allow me to jump in. Hated what was going on, but loved the line It's me in the thing
1: with the stuff. <laughs> well... <laughs> That's why I'm conflicted, because we would have been deprived the opportunity for Eddie Izzard to be doing just all of that thing and stuff. (laughs) Which, Eddie Izzard's great. I got blue people, you're gonna love it. (laughs) (laughs) That was a funny line. Um, And also, hey, is that Prudence? And then they just don't follow up on that at all. And it it was, now whether she was real or not, I I couldn't possibly tell.
0: Right, or she was just a trip.
1: Um, For sure. But that on the back of the walrus sequence was totally unnecessary because we got bogged down in. Why couldn't you that. leave that as on the back
0: of the walrus? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect opportunity. It felt
1: like I was going to be missing the end of that sentence. So I felt like I needed something to really stick forward. on the back of the walrus. <laughs> I feel like the movie needed to have one or the other, but we, if we, sure cut one of them, we would have been deprived one of those excellent cameos.
0: That's so, true, and I kind of wonder if that actually was a tough decision to make.
1: Yes, probably. It seems
0: like it might have been.
1: It, so, I, again, I get taught with, like, well, could they have cut it into two separate sequences in separate places, and then that might have felt boring and repetitive, but also letting it just ride for 20 minutes felt like too much. Mm-hmm. It's the only time where the movie drags a little bit, and I still appreciate parts of it, but it's just too much, and that's my least favorite part of that band while still understanding why it's super relevant and necessary to portray that.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh
0: that I I understand that um from folks that I know that have seen the movie generally agree that like that's that part is a little bit too much. It's just too much. Um it doesn't I why well, I completely understand. It doesn't bother me, but I get where everybody's coming from. There is one part of the movie that uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, and it's unfortunate because it feel it's the only song that felt contrived. It was doing strawberry fields, and when he's pinning the strawberries to the paper and that song is playing and they're singing it, it just doesn't quite land the same way and have the same meaning that any of the other renditions had. It just felt like they wanted to add that song into the catalog also.
1: Sure, but at least it ended up sticking. Like, it mattered. Like, the the whole... (laughs) It definitely mattered. I I agree. Creating the Strawberry logo and carrying it through. Now, that whole thing probably exists to justify having the song, but it justifies it.
0: Sure, those those parts are actually good. It's just something about the length of that scene and the two things that are going on in it with the flashbacks to Max, well the flesh the flesh across to to Max being in the war uh, to these two people at home that are also that are still kind of lost. The sister that doesn't know what is going on in the world, how to deal with it, feels like she needs to be involved but doesn't know how and is trying to do the best she can. And the other the other side of it is uh, jude who is kind of crippled by like like almost um like dismissive because there's nothing he feels that nothing that he'll do will make a, ju- a difference so he's just living in this world trying to make sense of things when nothing makes sense and it, it is a it's actually it's a very powerful scene uh lower segment i should say but for whatever reason that it's itch- And I love the creation of the logo and that. I think it's really cool. I also think it's awesome later when we jump and we see it on the wall and like it's the strawberry. It's great. It's just the execution in that moment that that song just didn't seem, didn't fit for me.
1: It's also probably the one that got the most updating of any of the songs, which Mm -hmm. actually is probably something that worked for me because I'm not a huge fan of that song. Sure. In general, Um, also, I mean, I probably didn't even. Know a third of the songs in this movie. Mm. Um, now because it was a song, I was like, oh, this is a Beatles song. Sure. Um Although once or twice I was like, is this a Beatles song? Because yeah. it feels too on the <laughs> nose for the scene. Like, was this one of those ones that do they write a song in the style of the Beatles to like fit this or yeah. not? But uh because there's a few of them that I didn't know that like at least it like fit and it felt right with like both the Beatles and what was going on. It didn't feel overly contrived. Whereas Mm -hmm. in that one obviously is to a certain extent, but like I said, they at least retroactively justify it by having the logo matter throughout the course of the rest of the movie. So that like ties up that bow for me. I enjoyed that rendition of the song. I actually, the, like you said, that scene is really powerful Mm -hmm. juxtaposing each of their wars, his literal war max as he's in Vietnam, right? Um, Jude's metaphorical war of coming to terms with what he's putting himself into, how he's channeling his own frustrations, and Lucy's war internally about the confusion with what's going on around her in the big picture and in the small picture of the war she's fighting of worrying over her brother, worrying over her... like. Absolutely flailing relationship with Jude, and then obviously what's going on with her cause, uh, in trying to end the war to get her brother home.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah, very it it's it's moving for what, but for whatever reason, it, you know what it is. I feel like lyrically, I didn't, I wasn't making the connection that they wanted me to make.
1: That and I think I totally agree me. with, but I did feel like on a more visceral level, the actual music fit really well with what was going on. It's kind of dripping with that tension and anxiety.
0: I wonder if it would have been better as an instrumental. Probably. You Except know?
1: for the fact that I think they wanted you to make the literal cue in case maybe you're well, even though I obviously know that song, if you don't necessarily know the Beatles, I think they wanted to well why is he playing with all these strawberries? Oh, it's because right. the strawberry fields. You know, and, well, and they don't you know, need nine, to hold nine my out, out of ten people, people what's up?
0: What'd you say? I said they don't need to hold my hand through it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, like I said, they had you know what's worse
0: hand. is you made me repeat it. <laughs> I
1: know it because I was—I didn't realize you were trying to stick that in there. Uh, but I understand. Probably, I—I I agree. It would have been best served as an instrumental because the music meant more to me for sure than the lyrics mm. did in that scene.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, so that was really, I mean, that's uh, I my only my only issues with the movie are are when a song doesn't feel like it fits what's actually happening around it. Uh, that being said, the scenes have always been great. Another one where it's interesting is like they wanted to put "Let It Be" in there, uh, and they did it in this really interesting way of making just this one-off piece of the story, like introducing. Jojo but like not so like it was it was like an interesting introduction to him but like the Detroit riots and then the kid singing the song like it's hauntingly beautiful but it, it was like it actually it's weird like you could, it's like almost forced in to intro that character when like if he just showed up on a bus it would have also been fine but like just yeah. giving that background was only I feel like was only there to, to one depict this one thing that they also wanted to touch on but like they did it in a really beautiful way and that one doesn't bother me at all
1: it's funny. This is not a short movie. It's a little over two hours long, yeah. And like I said, there's only really that one little segment with the acid stuff that drags a bit. Mm-hmm. Looking back at it, they found a way to fit so many, so different much. character arcs and story beats, and they did it by being very efficient and judicious with how and what they want to do. Because nah. they would say, "We're going to be." I wasn't doing a joke. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, they they found a way to be hyper efficient with. We're gonna spend the next five minutes delving into this character yeah. and their life, and that's it. They it was the sole focus, and maybe it spans some time. At, at you know, at times depending on what was going on, what character it was, and you feel like you're in such a poignant, vibrant snapshot of that person's life, and mm. I. I, it, you rarely see that sort of efficiency in that sort of thing where it's like, I feel like I intimately know this character in a way that I don't even feel about two hours of a movie about someone else. Yeah. Which I don't, I can't really describe the modality by which they achieved that. I just know that that's I, the...
0: they used the best parts of the art form. Yes. And they used them all to their max. Do you they know use- this remind-
1: I was just saying, do you know what this reminded me of? Did you ever watch Master of None on Netflix? That no, I haven't. That's a, a really good show. That's worth the watch. And they do this thing where, you know, sometimes there's a show, and you'll see it, we've, we've mocked it on this show, and it's been mocked even more than us out in the world, like on The Walking Dead where they start picking up a storyline of a character that's largely been in the background, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this character is going to die. That's mm-hmm. the reason that they gave them a bunch of backstory. And lo and behold, nine times out of ten, that's the case. Yeah. And so Master of None took that into a whole new level, both in the breadth of how they do it and in the fact that it has real tangible impact of whatever sort, where it's a story about Aziz's character, and I don't actually remember what his even his name on the show. It's been a few years since the second season of that show was out. And you know, it follows him largely and it follows his friends, but every once in a while they'll do an episode about one of his friends, and he's actually a supporting character in the story. That's cool. Or sometimes it'll be about a totally random character. He might even barely be in the episode or anything. Like, the, that like
0: the Simon episode of High Fidelity.
1: Yes. Well, there's a couple <laughs> of episodes like the Simon episode, but like in the second season, there's an episode that's almost entirely about a bunch of random I think it's a couple of random people in New York City. Hmm. Like, and like he like is in the background for like two minutes at some point and then just follows these random people who aren't even in the show.
0: That makes me really want to watch it. That sounds really cool.
1: It's a really good show. Um, despite whatever troubles and stuff around some of that stuff with Aziz and Zari. It sounds like that's kind of been left behind for better or worse. I don't know. That's not really the why I want to get into this. The the point I'm making is you know following prudence for a few minutes
2: mm-hmm.
1: is largely irrelevant to the story and yet is so very important in painting the picture of this group of people yeah and why every little battle feels so important for all of them and what it's like to be a person in this time and they give you with the ensemble this whole snapshot of so many people of you know similar ages but not mm-hmm. exactly the same age In this time, and you have white, and you have black, and you have Asian, and you have rich, and you have poor, man, woman, you know, revolutionaries, people who want to be like tried and true about their business. You Um, have different
0: sexualities,
1: sexualities, all of it. And you know, like I said, you could spend five minutes on one of these characters and then not see them on screen again in mm-hmm. a relevant manner. They might be in the back of a scene.
0: But in the, in those five minutes, you're, you're told and given so much story.
1: Yes. And it's incredible because it actually, I remember I was watching the movie and I paused it. It was about the halfway mark, which it was an hour, hour, 10, something like that. And I was like, feels like I've been watching this hour, this movie for two hours, but not in the sense of it was dragging. It just felt. It was so dense, dense and rich in yeah. its storytelling and world building. There was zero, zero wasted space in this movie.
0: You, you know which one, the, 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 um, when Prudence is singing, I want to hold your hand. Like that's, it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe like two and a half to three minutes. Talk but about it's layers, like, man. <laughs> it, it's, it's so, I don't know, like taking that song and putting that spin context on it was like the person like being out of reach and be- because they're, like, they're not, like, up, like they they don't see each other the same way. Like, it was so sad <laughs> for such a, like, for such a hopeful song.
1: Yeah, that honestly, that's probably my favorite Beatles song. Mm. And, yeah, it's a song that I've always thought of as a peppy, upbeat, we're just going to have a fun time singing the song for the next four minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. However long it is. And, yeah, they slow it down and make it into, like, a dirge for her total, like, trying to unburden her repressed feelings for Sadie. And it's almost like she's giving a eulogy for what she can't have. Hmm. Even though it's meant to be, like you said, an outreach,ing like you know, out, you know yeah, like out, it, it, bridging it, gaps, it, and it feels like there's the the divide is growing wider and wider as the course of that song is going on.
0: Yeah, it's like because like, when you listen to that song in it's normal state, you're thinking it it, it feels like a you know you it's like two people that are really close, and it's like they're they're reaching that stage of like telling each other about their feelings, and it's like you almost like already know the person's going to accept them. But it's still that nervousness that's what I feel like that's what that song that's what that song feels like to me but then when she sings it in the way she does from a distance looking at the other cheerleader from the bleachers and she's like it, she she knows it's not going to be returned and it's like a lost hope and it's just I don't the way that they were able to spin that song and make it so sad was was very impressive to me
1: also I was really confused because a lot of that doesn't look like any football practice I was about pe- <laughs> Um, and sure, that comes down to the choreography largely, but still. Sure,
0: sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, I so bringing up the music, I feel like musicals are uh, divisive. I feel like they, I, I haven't, I don't know people that are in the gray area of whatever. I feel like people either love them or dislike them. I feel like you might actually be the one person that can uh, that that may. I'm not sure if you fall in the middle, Like I love. Musicals. I'm a sucker for musicals.
1: I was gonna say, let me be the person who tells you, not I'm indifferent to them, but I wouldn't. But you
0: could take or leave.
1: Yeah, I really (laughs) never seek out a musical, Mm. but I've watched a good handful of them that I've enjoyed.
0: Uh, See, like for me, I'm like I'm on the side where it's. I see a story that's interesting to me that I, that, li- that I like, I'm curious about, and then find out that it's a musical and like amps it up for me.
1: I'm no, like- <laughs> for, for me, it actually makes me go, okay, let's brace ourselves. Let's see how this is going to go. Right. <laughs> well, the funny thing was that I watched that Sunday. Yeah, I remember saying it Sunday night. Um, so I watched that one with... I watched Across the Universe with Dominic. And then that night, I watched... Mamma Mia, Here (laughs) We Go Again. Sure. Which, did I ever tell you that story from when I saw the trailer for that for the first time with Gianna when we were going to see a movie?
0: Vaguely. I I vaguely remember this. You might have (laughs) told it on this show, but go for it anyway.
1: I think so. I don't even remember what movie we were going to see. It was just me and her. And the trailer came on. And I think I had heard that they were doing the movie. Uh. and So she loved the first movie. She didn't know they were doing a sequel. And I knew they were doing a sequel, but I hadn't seen the trailer. So it comes on and I leaned across to her and I said, this is the Mama Mia sequel to Mama to Mia. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and she almost uh, like fell out of the chair. <laughs> that, so we always call it to Mama to Mia. But I, 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 yeah. I like so that. I watched that with my mom and my sister and. I said, you know, if you told me when this day started that I was going to watch two musicals, I'd call you a liar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Right, getting into, let, let's get into some of, we, we discussed some of our least favorite moments, but I want I want the favorites. What are, what are the moments that really shine for you in this movie? Let's awesome. maybe narrow it to top three or four.
1: Okay, so I, what I'll tell you is the one that came to mind, and I had a lot of moments I liked in the movie. We've actually already talked about some of them, but... Sure. When I sat down and thought, what was my favorite moment in the movie? What came to mind was the whole transition of sequences at Princeton when Jude first meets Max Mm -hmm. and starts with Max and his frat buddies. I assume they were in a fraternity hitting golf balls from the roof of that one building, (laughs) drilling it into the window of a dorm. Yep. Them talking shit. You know, they're all drunk, obviously. The guy comes chasing them. There's this whole drunken flight as they're trying to escape. He meets Jude for the second time. Jude shelters him as he's trying to. And run a friendship is born. <laughs> a friendship is born. And you have that whole sequence of the drunken convorting. That was just that whole, you know, bing, bing, bing of those two yep. scenes in a row. Was so much fun. I don't even remember what song they were singing during. Uh,
0: get the, by with a little help from my friends.
1: I, th- I thought that was what it was, yeah. which is funny when that came up for me for fun and games. Yeah, uh, actually, I don't even think I ever registered. I'm not even a huge fan of that song, but I did like that version of it in the
0: movie. Uh, yeah, it's I. That's actually on my list too. That that scene is tremendous. It's, it's so much fun. It's, it's also so like fun. it's the college. It's like the it's the college movie fun feel, but it's more. It's less gross.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you know it's more of like s- innocent and as far as this movie the stakes were still pretty low yeah like the worst thing that happened was like a window went out and someone was mad like mm-hmm. no one was dying no one was protesting no one was blowing anything up no one was getting blown up like right it was no one hated each other it was just largely collegial fun it was a yeah, good time So it's so good they like that was a moment where the choreography was, uh, you know, entertaining where they're sludding and the banner. Oh, start, yeah. And
0: they're like, like, they're like drunk and picking each other up and swaying back and forth.
1: Yeah. It just looked like a good time. Like, I wanted to be a part of it. I want to, oh, yeah. hell, right now with no social life at yeah. all with the pandemic, like, I just want to go out and have fun with some new friends at right. like, a bar. It just looked like a great time.
0: That I will say in the midst of all that, there's one C every time it gets me, I get like super nervous, like this time it's gonna go wrong, even though the movie is gonna be the same every time I watch it. But when he has the T in his mouth and he's moving it back and forth as they put the ball on it, and then the guy and then Max takes a swing, I always I always have the worst image in my head of what's about to happen. And well, it never see, this- comes true.
1: As soon but, as
0: I set it up, I was like, "This can't end well." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but I I agree. That scene is is definitely it's up there. That I actually have that second. My number one, I think. Uh, was trying to I was trying to pick. I was torn. I was actually torn between that uh, that one and the one that I ended up going with, which is uh, the "I've Just Seen a Face" bowling sequence, which is incredible choreography to the point where I pause the movie and I ask him, "How many times do you think they had to shoot that?" And that's when everybody like one beat off throws the bowling ball down the lane. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I was like, there's
1: no way they got this right. Even the 20th time. (laughs) (laughs) There was a few times where they were like, there was moments of like tight choreography like that, where I was like, Man, how many times did like someone break laughing during this, or right. something like that, or someone just like slip and fall, or something was just off and they had to do the whole thing over again? Well, yeah, they like they like run, just everyone's laughing, and I'm not entirely sure which.
0: Right, <laughs> they're they're running and they're jumping clear over the ball return. And like in like this fancy like hatchet man pose as they do it, and each time they do they do it like three or four times in a row. I'm like, someone 100 percent clipped their foot and fell flat on their face during the filming of this.
1: Oh, someone definitely. <laughs> it. Yeah.
0: And then sliding down the lanes that also looked like something I would really like to try to do.
1: <laughs> that would be disastrous results, of course. Oh, but,
0: absolutely, ruining an oil pattern and then also like breaking myself when I hit the end.
1: Exactly, but. Um,
0: it's great, it's a great fun, fun I scene. I was going
1: to say the, the parallel, like, closing scene to what I mentioned is my favorite one that also I loved is when Jude, I guess we're not doing the formal spoiler, not spoiler thing in this movie.
0: Uh, it's old enough. And it's also like, it, honestly, this is one movie where you can tell everybody exactly what happened. Seeing the movie is different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. Um, When Jude comes back to America, I I, I guarantee you, I have the same thing written down (laughs) and and him and Max see each other for the first time in literally must be years at this point because Mm -hmm. Max has been over in Vietnam. Jude was still in the US. Jude gets deported back to the UK. Max has come back in that time. They haven't seen each other in quite some time. Uh, Jude and Lucy have had their, you know, just devastating falling out. That scene of just pure unadulterated joy. There's you yeah. know how many people are gonna be doing that in whenever it's relatively safe to see each other again? Well,
0: next time I see you, I mean Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna, as you're coming towards me, I'm just gonna yell
1: choo choo dachotacho Oh, see, I assumed you were gonna yell Eagle. <laughs> Have you gotten to Eagle yet? Have I gotten to what? Eagle in no. Scrubs? No. Oh, okay. So yeah, I just I, super I,
0: super I super just cool. thought you. I was picturing you with your arms out.
1: That's why I thought you were saying eagle. Well, it's gonna be you doing the arms out.
0: <laughs> okay, got it.
1: Got um Because I'm assuming you're gonna be JD and I'm gonna be Turk in this scene. Fair right? enough. <laughs> eagle. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: uh, oh man, I it's it, that is a great scene when they get back together. I also love what the more innocent part of that scene is when they're in the cab. You tell Lucy, and he's like, nope. <laughs> i love that he's so excited for her to find out too like because he loves he loves his sister but he loves his brother too this his fake brother that he wants them to get together so bad it's <laughs> so great
1: considering how that started where it's like nope and then it's like please don't and it's like well if you're gonna uh, and now it's please do <laughs> for the love of god please do
0: um the last one i have on here Uh, as far as like favorite scenes go is it gets me every time when, when Jude bursts into the office where uh, uh, Lucy's working and starts singing revolution and he's like kind of drunk and he's all a little bit angsty and he's throwing things around the room. It's such a fun execution of that song, which it probably shouldn't be fun, but it is. No, it's, it's also, it is what's happening is dark though.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, it can't yeah, yeah. be fun, but it is. Mm-hmm. Also... Specifically think- when he gets pulled out and he comes right back in six. Yes. <laughs> Please escort this man out of here. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let me hear him out. Oh, I mean, get him out of here. <laughs> um, it, this movie was guilty of, and so many movies are, when they... When the, you reach that like that peak of the argument of the tension between two leads, and it's just like, just say the things that you have to say. Like I get mad at it all the time, and sometimes it's poor writing. Sometimes it's just it's a thing I've I've had to struggle with, and I think I've gotten it right more often than not in recent years. But I'm I'm still guilty of it as anyone. There's a huge the best analogy I can come up with is the complaints over it in something like star Wars, the last Jedi, where people complain about, Oh, this thing is so stupid. And it's like that these decisions that that person made is so stupid or whatever. And it's like, you do realize that even though, you know, the right answer, we don't always make the right choices. Mm. Like we're caught up in our own biases or our own flaws or insecurities or whatever. And you know, sometimes you do the wrong thing, even though you know you're doing the wrong thing. And it's not even self-sabotage per Mm -hmm. se. Sometimes you can't get past it. You can't find the way how to say the thing or do the thing that you know you need to do. Right. and Or sometimes you just kind of fizzle out and do the wrong thing even though you know you're doing and it's like, but I can't actually divert my course here. And This movie, you had a particularly egregious example of it where it's like, you guys are having the wrong conversation, you're having the wrong argument, and I wanted to get mad at it, except for that's so real.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it was It was even more, it, I completely agree with you, and it's it's even harder to watch because the thing that they're both struggling with is the same thing. They're both struggling with the situation, especially the fact that Max is gone, and they're not communicating with each other about and it.
1: And they don't know how to say the thing, so they're defaulting to this other, they're fighting this proxy war of words that they're having two separate arguments yeah. about the same thing, and they don't know how to get on the same page to have the real conversation they need to have. And maybe it wouldn't work out in that, but at least you would have a chance. Mm-hmm. Right? And I just wanted to be like, like, Gu- like guys, what are you doing? This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I got mad about it for a second. I was like, I see that all the time in my own life with people, whether it be me and another person or just overseeing someone else having that argument it's like, sure you guys are not even fighting over the thing that matters and it's not even just losing sight of the forest for the trees you guys are looking at the same tree and one of you is calling it a fir and the other one's calling it a pine they're both coniferous trees you just <laughs> don't know how to have the argument in the way it needs to be had
0: yeah yeah it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating to watch, but it's it's accurate.
1: It is, and that's why I ultimately kind of calmed down a bit because I was like, yeah, I've actually seen that. It, that's, like a million times. That's got to be
0: hard to write. Even though you get it, I don't know how you effectively, because like, they, they, they wrote it well. Yes uh that's but, but it's yeah uh, i that that's it for my favorite moments but i figured before we wrap up uh, are there any other honorable mentions that need to be made about scene sequences performances
1: uh yeah i wish i had notes for this because i didn't but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um well how about this what of the musical numbers we didn't mention so far what were the ones that you enjoyed the most because the the problem is there were some that i enjoyed but they weren't necessarily songs I knew, so I don't even know. Sure. Like, I can't okay. be like, oh, that song, because, like, I don't know the name of it.
0: I like, I really like um, when Sadie and Jojo are having their argument on stage, and they're kind of battling through the lyrics of the song.
1: Yeah, that was good, because I didn't even pick up on that going on until it was in full force, and I was like, yeah. oh, oh, there's this stuff going on, and if I knew this song, I probably would realize that that's been going on. That's a case of something being so well written that I didn't know what was going on. I do not know the song. Right. It
0: it would have been doing Strawberry Fields instrumentally. Yes.
1: Yes. And I was like, oh, they've been fighting for the last 10 minutes. and I had no idea. Until it became like, it's no longer Cold War anymore. Like, shots Mm -hmm. are being fired. And I was like, well, I'd be an idiot not to pick up on it now, and because when she stormed off, I was like, "The fuck is going on?" Yeah, and she says the thing about like, I, I don't know, she says something about a, like needing a lead singer or something like that, or, mm-hmm. or doing it himself. I forget exactly how she phrased it, and I was like, "Oh, oh, they've been fighting this whole time."
0: Yeah, <laughs> when no he idea. when she leaves and he keeps going though, and he picks up the microphone and he like, then you you start to hear him sing for the first time really in the movie. And, like, his voice is insanely good. <laughs> and, and, like, he's got the crowd rallying behind him. It's, it's awesome. It's a, it's a great scene. But yeah, that's the one thing I, I, will, I, will,
1: I will say. The one thing I'll say to this is, and I'm sure, you know, there was some, it was studio recorded that they dubbed over or whatever, and, and that's fine. And they can tweak that. But these people all sing really well. And, like, I didn't know that Jim Sturgis could sing. I didn't mm. know that Evan Rachel Wood could sing. Although, I think she's done some work on... Broadway, right? So I guess it's- Yeah, she's
0: also in Frozen too. She is. Yeah, I think she's the mom.
1: Uh, I had no idea. Uh, is <laughs> it the mom?
0: Maybe the mom. I'm not sure, but she's I'm pretty sure
1: she's in it. I had no idea. So I didn't yeah. know she could sing. I didn't I do know not. Jim Oh, okay. I didn't know Jim Sturgis could sing despite the fact that I've actually grown to be somewhat of a fan of his. Yeah, I know not everyone is. Mike. Uh-
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next week we'll do 21. <laughs>
1: Just inundate with, with, with Sturge's movie. Awesome. Um but yeah, and then like the rest of the cast all sang well really well too. I, hell even Eddie Izzard sang pretty well. I didn't know he could sing.
0: Uh-huh. They, uh uh you're,
1: you're cheating when you're using, you know, Bono and Joe Cocker and sure. uh although I didn't know Samahaya could sing either, so
0: until you looked it up and you went on the whole <laughs> the whole trailer. Well no, I
1: just knew the connection in the movie. I didn't know she could sing.
0: Yeah. Uh, another one, the finale on the rooftop, um, singing all, all you need is love and the way that goes down with like See, the whole, like,
1: when I mentioned that it was super cheesy and corny, that was absolutely
0: that was so cheesy. It's, it's like, it's like they, they got to the end and they're like, let's wrap it up.
1: <laughs> also, we need to find a way to shoehorn in all you need is love.
0: And then they were like, ah, crap. We forgot Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Play it over the credits. Yes,
1: yeah, She's, uh, the she's standing is-
0: there. She's in the sky. They're probably still high. It's fine. <laughs> as play soon as he
1: said his name was Jude, I was like, so, hey, Jude is guaranteed to be in the song. And then she was Lucy and I was like, so we're going to get a Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And then we didn't get that one. And I was like, huh. And then I'm play cotton. Let's see how it works yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. And like you said, it felt like, oh, shit, we forgot to do that one. Quick, on the credits, go.
0: And uh, we mentioned it in passing, but the uh, their rendition of Dear Prudence with her being in the closet, uh, which I mean a very on the nose metaphor, but she's in the closet and they're, they're singing through the closet, asking her to come out and telling her that it's going to be okay. And that they're here and they love her. It's like, it's so sweet.
1: (laughs) Well, that was the other thing. I didn't know there was a song. Is the song called dear prudence? Yeah. I didn't know that that was a thing that existed. I didn't know the song when they started singing it. Honestly, as soon as they named her prudence in the movie, I was like, there has to be a song that is either named something or <laughs> as it the because and this is in no way, shape or form meant to get into race and racism or racial, whatever. I was deeply surprised by an Asian girl in the sixties, having been named Prudence. Mm. I was really confused by that. <laughs> so I was like, that has to be a thing that's going to come up in one of the songs at some point. And then they started singing the songs. Like, ah, there it is. Okay. Oh. By um, way. Really cool background as the apartment turns into like clouds and sky and stuff like that. That was yeah. visually really cool.
0: Very awesome. Um, some we of also... that
1: stuff aged really well and some yeah. of that aged really not well. Like, honestly, the Blue Men and the whole thing with <laughs> that song didn't age well.
0: For sure. For also, for sure. when
1: they were singing that, I was like, I it was across the universe. I was like, oh, he said it. Okay. Yeah, yeah there's the word. <laughs> and then I That's think it happened movie. again later in the movie, too.
0: Mm hmm. Um, there was a, I, man, I can't remember the line, but, uh, one of the, the, when Jim's, when Jude is leaving just before he le- leaves to go home to pack the first time he's getting his work stamped and, uh, and he's getting paid. And there's some, the, the guy says something and I can't remember exactly what he says, but it is a like one for one quote of a song that oh, they really? just didn't put in the movie. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I can't remember exactly what it is now, but it was silly.
1: Oh, wait, when he, he said, when he was getting stamped, you said it was the guy who was behind him in line who said it?
0: No, the guy that's stamping and oh, paying okay. him. Because um, I remembered
1: the guy saying something about, and I was wondering if that was from the from a song, because I, I, I didn't recognize the line, but I, I, I kind of chuckled when the line was delivered. He said something along the lines of, can you hurry it up? The pub opened five minutes ago or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and some
0: <laughs> of us are really thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And um, what else do we have? Uh, oh, we, it's it's funny. It's one of it's probably one of the. There's not a lot of segments that don't have music.
1: I mean, but, there's definitely some. And sure, I appreciated that. I actually like. I saw Limiz like on Broadway, mm-hmm. and it was really incredible. Mm-hmm. But I prefer if you're gonna do a musical to have. You need five. What's that?
0: You need five here and there.
1: I just need like. If they're not singing if they're not singing an actual song to be sing singing, it. yeah.
0: Yeah, I like, I agree with that.
1: I prefer when it's now is when we're gonna have dialogue and exposition and whatever, and now is when we're gonna sing the song. And that's fine. And you can have a million songs, it could be the majority of the movie, but just I want it to be targeted and specific when they're just kind of yeah. delivering the lines like this. It I, I to that don't
0: either. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I actually recently watched Sweeney Sweeney Todd with Kim, and uh, oh boy, that was a weird one. Did they do that the whole song? (laughs) That's the thing. They do
1: it like 80% of the movie. And then they like, I do remember some lines being delivered, it almost felt like that, like background, like dark, ominous tones, but the verbal version of that. Yeah, but I don't remember it being a hundred percent of the time. Yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure it's like eighty percent of the time. And when that they're not right doing it, it definitely feels like they forgot. Not that they, <laughs> like it, it's it's very because it's almost it's like it's annoying while it's happening, and then it's so jarring that it's annoying when it's not happening.
1: <laughs> that feels like it has to be one of those things where they maybe reshot a handful of scenes, and whether it was. The dialogue scenes they reshot, or the singing scenes they reshot, one of those things feels like it's maybe tacked on a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually remember liking that movie when I saw it. God, that's
0: out. it's so weird. It's, it's so definitely weird.
1: weird, but it's Burton, and it's about a, a like a serial killer barber, so like it's yeah, gonna you know? be weird.
0: Yeah, that makes me pies. <laughs> <Gross>.
1: <laughs> um, and
0: oh, so what I was getting at with the with the the non-musical scenes, I love the Thanksgiving scene. Uh, when oh, yeah. It's such a... We didn't really touch on that, but when they have that conversation at the table and Max is, you know, his kind of goofy, joking self and his dad's his dad's really frustrated with him not having a, a, a plan and, like, just that... It's like... It's a cyclical battle that uh, parents and their children will have until the end of time, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I saw, you know, shades of my own arguments or arguments I've witnessed in my own family. I'm sure you did as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, The the funny thing is it was one of the few times where they really let what's his name? Dylan Baker like shine. He's not in this movie very much. He's a really good actor Mm. and he was in most of a season of the Americans and a really strong actor. You probably recognize him as, uh, Dr. Connors in the Tobey Maguire yeah. Spider-Man movies mm-hmm. um, He was really good in his very limited role In this movie But also he was playing Kind of an easy Relatively easy role to play of you know, the, the father who's out of touch with the kids And yeah. then I'm on the same page and all that And coming in over the top Because you know, paying for college and all that shit
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. uh, Any other Thoughts before we wrap this up uh, I don't think so. Well, for the first time in a while, we're coming in under three hours. <laughs> and that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests by tweeting us at the TheSpinTune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Al Bielsi. Thanks for coming out.